Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ray, and welcome to the RayWenderlich.com podcast. In this podcast, we'll keep you up to date with the latest app development tech talk. Now, here are your hosts, Nick and Jake. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Mick. Welcome back to the RayWenderlich.com podcast. For this, our 50th episode, I'm joined by my esteemed colleague and good friend, Mr. Jake Gunderson, as well as regular panelist and our man in Barcelona, Marin Todorov. Marin, just like we are previous appearance, the next 20 minutes are all yours. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Marin, and today I'm going to talk about my experiences at iOS events and gatherings across Europe and the States. I just want to highlight three of them because actually I've been to so many conferences that uh, it's just impossible to talk about all of them. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I think, Marin, it might be worth you just taking a step back then and telling everybody, like you, you basically spent the best part of the year last year, didn't you? 2015, traveling conferences. Again, I think I've been to about 15 events in 2015. <laughs> How many of those did you speak at? Was that, Did you speak at all of them? No, I did not speak at all of them, but uh, I think I, I spoke at most of those. I, I really I, I sent to every call for papers, and I really put a lot of effort into preparing like high quality content. So, in the end, I think everyone was happy. I was happy too. <laughs> Everybody was was uh, was really excited about it. So, which ones are you going to talk about today for us? Well, the three events that I would like to talk about are. NS Spain in Spain, uh, AltConf in San Francisco, and RWDFCon, RayWendling.com's very own conference that happens in the DC area. So first of all, um, I would like to talk about AltConf. This is a conference for everyone who doesn't get a ticket to WWDC. So it happens in the same week in San Francisco, and it happens actually across the street from where WWDC happens in San Francisco. So basically, if you buy your plane ticket to San Francisco and you reserve your hotels, but uh-uh, you didn't get a ticket from Apple's lottery, then you can still go to five days of super awesomeness at AltConf. And it's a very special event in the sense that being happening at the same time as WWDC, you cannot really be the best iOS conference in the city. <laughs> in, the, in the given point, but it's a very special in the sense that it's the alternative conference. So it's, it's the conference for everyone who loves the iPhone, loves the platform, loves the language, but doesn't necessarily want to attend Apple's own event, or doesn't necessarily have access to Apple's own event, or doesn't necessarily have the 1800 bucks for Apple's own event. It's an alternative in, in many different ways. And I think what is most important about it, you have five days of two tracks and you have short talks. So you will have 20 to 25 minute talks. So imagine full, five full days <laughs> with two tracks of 20, 25 minute talks. This, this makes for an, an amazing amount of speakers. And so AltConf is really open to all kind of people who would like to share something with, with the developers. So it's very open. It offers an amazing, an amazing um, schedule. And so first of all, so this is the first thing I think that's very special about AltConf. There is really an amazing amount of speakers that are coming in to just share something with you. There is no 
long sessions, there's no long workshops. It's just really the essence. Everybody had 20 minutes to just show what they came to San Francisco to show. So this is really amazing. And the second thing that I think it is really, really super specific for Alcom that you can't really see anywhere else is that since it happens in the same week as WWDC, if you bring a very specific tech talk to to old cons, so if you want to present something very, you know, just nitty gritty, code chunks, uh, you know, slides full of code and so forth, this just doesn't really work out because probably when you were supposed to speak, something obliterated the amount of code that you that you wanted to present on the previous day. <laughs> so probably Apple announced something on Tuesday. <laughs> that actually makes your Wednesday talk already obsolete. <laughs> so, so yeah, so it's very specific. And this actually, I think it inspires people to have amazing non-code talks. So if you look at the schedule for 2015, you will see amazing talks. So our own Ray Wendley had a talk called Overloading Comparison, which was about basically comparing yourself to other people, it's a fantastic talk. You can just, everyone can just go to the internet and, and have a look at it. Um, for example, Mike Lee had a talk called Planetary Engineering, something that definitely Apple cannot make obsolete by introducing a new API. Um, what else? Uh, we have Maxine Kramer's talk was called Making Users Smile, Laugh, and Cry. I mean, that's an eternal, you know, this, this is all, this, all these topics that are actually are somehow making you a better developer and not necessarily um, make, making you master better a given API or something like this. You spoke at AltConf, didn't you, Mary? I did, I did. Yes, I did. What did, I you, did. what did you talk about? I spoke about animations. Actually, my talk was called Power Up Your Animations. It was, uh, it was the first of a few workshops about animations that I did. So one of my questions, I've wondered about AllConf a bunch of times. It seems like it, people that go are really like it, but how much does the content of what's going on across the street seep in? Like, are people talking about the sessions from the day before? Or like, what is the attitude towards the content that's happening, uh, you know, the new APIs and stuff at WWDC at AllConf? Of course, there, there's, I mean, most of the speakers would reflect on anything interesting that has been announced, for example, in previous days, if it had to do with their talk. So, you know, everybody will just, for example, I added four slides to showcase the new things about animation in iOS 9 in my talk and then just, you know, also presented what I came to present. So people would just leave a little bit of, of wiggle space in there just to make sure that they can reflect on anything that was announced in the, in the previous yeah. days. Just before we move on, actually, that, that's just, I've just got a, a <laughs> thought, thought of a question. So you sort of pitched AltConf as like, the alternative conference for those that wanted to go to WWDC but couldn't get there for whatever reason, cost, um, you know, the lottery for the ticket. Yeah. Now, it seems each each year uh, WWDC sells out faster, regardless of whether or not they put the price up. So, so there's this bigger demand. And I'm just wondering if AltConf, how, how AltConf deals with that, you know, can it scale? Can it take more people? Or is it at risk of just becoming exactly the same as WWDC because it, like, the demand will, it, it won't that, be able to cope with the demand? 
That, that's actually a fantastic question because it's something that I actually announced, um, sorry, forgot to, to mention. It's that it's a free event. So AltConf is a free event. It's run by volunteers. Of course, everything's paid up by sponsors. So they have two uh, cinema halls that they're using. Actually, they have three cinema halls that they're using for the two simultaneous tracks and a third one to actually watch live broadcasting from, from WWDC. So everything is free and um, it's limited to, I mean, limited, quotes, quotes, um, to three cinema halls so far. And, and, and therefore, they're, they're basically their running costs are for whatever the sponsors pay up. So I think they can scale pretty well um, to even more people. Um, the halls were, I mean, there's, there's a fair amount of people coming in, but I, think, I felt like probably the venue can take at least two times more people than they were. Oh, that's good. So definitely yeah. got room to grow then. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I definitely think there's there's a it's a fantastic alternative to WWC. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay. And Spain then? And Spain now is the is another long lasting event. Altconf is five days long, and and Spain is four. There, it's it's a very different event in in many ways. First of all, it doesn't really happen in the in the huge megapolis that San Francisco is. And Spain happens in the countryside in Spain, so you, you cannot really fly to Anna Spain. You have to fly to the nearest city and then take the train from there, or, or bus, or rent a car. You have to put an effort. You know, it's not it's not a thing you do on a whim or something. This it's a privilege to go to Anna Spain. So you have to fly somewhere. You have to arrange your travels. You have to find your way to the place. And then the city itself, it's a very very small city in the Spanish countryside. It's in the area. Of, of Spain that is called La Rioja, like the Rioja wine. It is because the Rioja wine comes from this area. And so actually, the conference in design is situated, it happens in the week, in which in the weekend is the wine festival. Therefore, once you're finished with the conference, you're welcome to stay for two days of the wine festival in Spain. If this does not, if, the, if, this, if you're not sold after that, <laughs> Life, <laughs> not so sure what's gonna do it for you. <laughs> of course, this is this is all great, and it's and it's very it's very difficult. It is a small town. You can walk everywhere. You know, you can just be on out, out on the streets until any time of the night you want to stay. If you want to stay early, stay early. If you want to stay late, it's all fine. You can just go back walking to the hotel. Um, friendly people are on the streets, and it's 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 just a real countryside. Spain experience uh, to go to any Spain. So you mentioned uh, the Altconf venue that it sounds yeah. like it's a huge cinema. Uh, yeah, mul yeah, multiplex it's a, type. It's a it's a multiplex yeah. with a food court. At, at the, <laughs> how how, yeah. how does so now now we've moved from from there yeah. into this remote sort of village town in yeah um, in Spain. Sort of. So what does the venue look like there? How does how does it compare to to Altconf? Um, well, this, the venue is is really fantastic because it's built for um, you know concerts or events and things like this, and it's and it's just and it's just across the cliff and down down there is a river and it's the, the mountains are basically just a, a, I don't know ten minutes walking from from the venue you know the mountains just start bursting out of the earth and things like this so it's it is fantastically beautiful. And so they would have you no know, real catering, like you you feel like in a real restaurant. 
there is a long lunch. Of course, we're in Spain. <laughs> so there's a long lunch with um, all-you-can-drink wine. <laughs> and, um, uh, and dishes are coming one after the other and things like this. So it's a, you know, it's a real Spain experience. So the, the whole conference just stops for two hours at lunch so that everyone can have good time, can have good meal and have, you know, uh, have the time to drink uh, a couple of glasses of wine and socialize and so forth. I mean, that sounds great. I am conscious of time, so I do want to make yeah. sure that, that we get to discuss your third conference. But just before we move on to that, yeah. um, compare, so we've compared the location and the kind of the buzz, that's, the vibe rather, that's going on between yeah. Old Conf and NS Spain. What, what are the sessions and the tracks like? Uh, in NS Spain, there's a single track. So, you know, you will definitely catch all the talks. So you never have to be under pressure to choose between you know, talks that are happening at the same time that you both want to attend and so forth. So there's a single track and there is stellar speakers. I mean, such an amazing combination of speakers were there that while NS Spain was happening, the, the hashtag NS Spain was trending on Twitter in San Francisco. <laughs> so can you imagine that? <laughs> a, a conference is happening in the countryside, everybody's drinking wine and, you know, networking and, and talking about code and things like this in this little remote place in Spain. And at the same time in San Francisco, Twitter is trending. Like, everybody talks about it in Spain. <laughs> I would, so, how much do you think, like, the venue has to do with that then? Because it sounds like it's a, it's almost an old, like, old, old conf is obviously short for the alternative conference as, a, as opposed to WWDC. But this sounds very much like this is, like, a wider alternative conference because it's not your typical <laughs> yeah. venue it's not your typical place where you'd have it you you know they, they do it in the lead up to this big wine festival so you can stay a bit yeah. longer and really soak in the the atmosphere and the culture of the place where it is and that also you know that doesn't sound like your typical developer conference no i think i think that the the big difference with NS Spain is that they cautiously decided to make it in the countryside in this very small city and therefore the same money that you get from sponsors will buy 10 times more things. So things like, you know, caterers walking around and serving you and, I don't know, going to, like, moving all the 300 people, all the 300 attendees to a wine cellar to have the dinner there and then come back with buses to the city and things like that. All this is possible because, precisely because of the remote location in the small city. It is just amazing. Oh, that sounds really good. Yeah. Yeah, so third conference that you wanted to talk about, Marin. Yep, that's our WFCon. This is uh, RayWendling.com's own conference. So um, long story short, people all over the world love the tutorials on RayWendling.com. People loved even better the video tutorials. Um, Ray started with, with video tutorials and, uh, and I was one of the first ones to join the uh, video tutorial team and produce video tutorials and, and the response was really amazing. So um, naturally the next thing that we were talking with Ray about was if people respond so well to also other kind of tutorials, what would be the response of having tutorials in person, so kind of live. And so this conference happens in the DC area. Last year was the first one and this year, 2016, is the second edition. And it's all about working hard and learning things by doing. People will come, stay in the sessions, follow through the instructors, 
and will actually learn new skills by the end of the day, which is amazing and it's what people would like. But since you cannot really be in a workshop eight hours a day, the conference also features the so-called inspiration talks. So it's the best combination of both worlds. Once you get tired of <laughs> churning through some Swift code and, uh, and, and, and working through all the tasks that instructors are prepared for you, then you can have a lunch and just relax, sit back and listen to what it takes to finish your project or what are, what are the pitfalls of working from home and, and things that all the developers are actually uh, really interested in. Uh, and we had a fantastic response from, from the inspiration talks. And of course, uh, for me, this, this event was uh, such an emotional roller coaster because um, this was when we announced surprisingly my iOS Animations by Tutorials book. So me and Ray agreed that I would work on iOS Animations by Tutorials with a small team uh, from the website uh, to edit and to help me out. The big idea that Ray had actually uh, was to announce the book surprisingly on the opening session of the conference. And still keep a secret and actually at the end of the conference just give a free printed copy to all the attendees at RWFCon, which was of course an amazing <laughs> I think that was a that was a raging success uh, and everybody was really happy everybody left the conference with a big smile I think it was a was a really good thing to do I think uh, given it was the first time Ray's put together a conference it was a great thing to pull off you know and, and leading into it I remember I remember how much like the nerves and the panic and the worry, you know, we pulled together and Ray had pioneered this conference. And it's unusual, you mentioned there, because it's not your, your standard, like your standard iOS developer conference is usually made up of a series of sessions where there's a speaker at the front and, and then there's an audience, but there's very little interaction between the two. But this conference is entirely workshops apart from the inspiration talks. For a large part of your day, you are actually learning by doing that there is, you know, a small section at the beginning which is theory, and then you're straight into sort of live coding. You code along with with the presenter. You know, you do two coding sessions, and then there's a sort of written tutorial to work through. And you know, the idea behind the whole thing was that you know, at the end of the two days, you would walk away having not only have learned something because I'm not. I don't want to say that you know you don't learn anything when you go to the other conferences. You've already applied that knowledge, which I think is a really, you know, it's it's really good listening to people and learning things from slides, learning the theory, the high level, bigger picture. But until you actually apply that to your day job, until you actually like gain some experience using that, that knowledge that you've learned, then, it, you know, you've got to question its worth. And I think that's why RWDevCon is really good because from the moment the sessions kick off in the morning, you are learning. Right, so um, we are out of time. I am going to wrap it up there, Marin. Uh, I do want to say, though, that for everyone that's speaking at RW Get DevCon uh, this year, best of luck, because by the time this goes out, uh, it'll be tomorrow. Uh, thanks for sharing your experiences, Marin. Uh, I think definitely want to give NSP a shot next year. <laughs> the, uh, I, I can hear the Rioja calling now. Um, <laughs> uh, but So just before we move on to Jake's topics... Um, uh, Jake's topic, rather. We're going to take a short break to hear about the sponsors for this episode. Hired is the platform for the best iOS developer jobs. Candidates registered with Hired receive an average of five offers on the platform, all from a single application. Companies looking to hire include Facebook, Uber, and Stripe. 
With Hired, you get job offers and salary and or equity before you interview, so you don't have to waste your time interviewing for jobs you might not end up wanting. And of course, it's totally free to use. Plus for you, our listeners, you will receive a $2,000 bonus from Hired if you find a job through their platform. Just for signing up using the show's exclusive link, hired.com forward slash Ray. So this week, we're lucky enough to have two sponsors. And the second is Couchbase. Couchbase will be running a hands-on lab at RW DevCon. Designed to get you up and running with Couchbase Mobile, their NoSQL database for mobile applications. If you're attending RW DevCon, be sure to join Wayne Carter at 11.30 on Saturday the 12th as he explains how to use Couchbase Mobile to create a consistent user experience regardless of whether the user is on or offline. Wayne will touch on such topics as local persistence, sync, security, and taking your data cross-platform. Make sure to get there early as space is limited. We'd like to thank both of our sponsors this week, Hired and Couchbase, for sponsoring this episode of the RayWenderlich.com podcast. Okay, Jake, so with 20 minutes on the clock, it's over to you. What, what are you bringing to the table this time? So this is actually our 50th episode. Originally, I thought maybe I should talk about podcasting. I just wanted to do something a little different than your typical technical topic. Um, but what I had decided to talk about was user-facing content. What that means is podcasts, the books, the tutorials we write, even speaking at conferences, anything that you're doing that is designed to kind of help out the developer community. And all three of us have a ton of experience with this at this point. And so I thought it would be an interesting conversation just to kind of talk about. I just wanted to really quickly, as we get started, kind of explain, and I'm sure I've told this story before, but just explain how I joined the Ray Wenderlich team and kind of why. Um, so I was a brand new developer. I'd probably been programming for maybe a year, maybe a little longer, but doing iOS for a year. And I was a big fan of the site. I was learning a lot about Coco Studio and how to make games with Coco Studio at the time, specifically from RayWenderlich.com. And I kind of wanted to do the same thing, but I really had no idea how to get started. And so I saw, you know, Ray periodically, he would put out call for help on the site for other people to write tutorials. Even though I wasn't the most experienced iOS developer in the world, I did have some uh, niche experience that the site could use. And so I wrote my first tutorial. I was looking for a fat paycheck. I just, I just wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to get to know Ray. I wanted to get to know the other people on the team. I just, this was just a cool thing. I wanted to be close to it. Yeah, I was, I was, um, I think it was around end of 2009. At this point, I was developing for close to close to nine or ten years in PHP, and I, I felt like I pretty much know everything about PHP. So I, for a long time, I haven't been looking for learning materials. I was really surprised to find out Brandon Jurutowski's blog, one of, the, one of the first ones to actually share good quality code out there for the iPhone for free, just like that. I felt this warm, warm thankfulness just fill me up from the inside. I was like, this is amazing. I so much want to know this. And then this guy, Brandon, somewhere in the world, just gives this knowledge to me for free. So knowing how I felt, I just naturally wanted to be on the other side of this kind of relationship. So, and so this is how I ended up with DutchCodeMagazine.com and, uh, and started writing there, which eventually the content that I was putting out um, got me in touch with Ray later on and actually was the reason that I joined the team. Um, I joined because I started off by shouting at Ray. Like that's, <laughs> that was my first introduction to Ray. So, so I joined it. I know Ray started it off doing game programming on the iPhone. That was that was what originally spun up that website. 
But at the time when I found it and started reading it, it was a lot more non-game uh, content. So I was really happy about that because I wasn't into writing games. It wasn't what I was looking to do it. And then I think they must have released a new version of Cocos or Cocos was what was becoming the big thing and, and Ray started putting out more Cocos 2D content. So I ended up getting really frustrated and sending him an angry tweet on Twitter saying, <laughs> you need to stop putting out game content, Cocos content, and go, <laughs> go back to doing the app stuff, the stuff that you know matters and people care about. Um, we had a joke and a laugh about it. Um, like Jake, I, I, because we started talking on Twitter, um, I started following Ray and he put out a call for tech editors. I'd never fancied myself as a writer. Um, I didn't at that time have what I felt enough free time to devote to, to learning, not only being able to do it, but to, to crafting that skill as well and learning that skill. So when he put out a call for tech editors, um, I read what was involved and it seemed it really appealed to me because it meant that I could learn a new topic in the same way that an author would in a lot less time uh, because I wasn't the one having to you know go out and do all the research and write the thing from scratch. I was just getting to learn from what the author had written at the same time whilst making sure it was you know technically viable and you know there weren't any huge issues with those tutorials. So that's how I got involved. But even then, the first tutorial, so I had to do a tryout and the first thing he sent me was uh, how to use how to create music for games, which was really frustrating, and I'm sure he did that on purpose. Um, but it, there was no code involved. It was using GarageBand. Uh, so, yeah, that, that was my, my intro into RayWendwick.com. And obviously, I, I work for Raysware full-time now, so I've come like probably as far as you can go without taking over the company. Uh, you know, I am a full-time employee for Ray now, which is, which is great. So one of the things I wanted to hopefully share with our listeners today was some of the things we've learned um, I mean, Mick, as you say, you, you work for uh, Razorware, so you kind of, you know how all the sausage is made, more or less. <laughs> um, so I kind of wanted to, for us to just kind of have a conversation about if somebody was brand new and they, they wanted to do a blog or they wanted to write a book or they wanted to start a podcast, like what advice could we give them to kind of help them along? And so the first thing I wanted to kind of say is uh, do something. And, and what I mean by that is don't let your fear of not being an expert hold you back. Like if you know a little bit more than most people, you can write a successful blog post about that thing that you know a little bit more about. You don't have to be an expert on everything. You don't have to be Brent Simmons. You don't have to be kind of a renowned expert that's been doing this for years. Everybody has, you know, some depth in something that that's exciting to them. Uh, you should just try it. Just get started because it does take some work to refine your skill and to refine your message and to kind of figure out who your audience is. If you don't get started, you never get there. And so I would say don't don't be afraid to get started because you are nervous that you don't necessarily have enough authority uh, yet. Another thing, though, that I kind of... I actually talked to Ray a little bit about this. Um, one of the things that we talked about that, that Ray mentioned was that you do need to find a niche uh, in order to kind of appeal. You need to figure out who your audience is and you need to focus on something that sets you apart from everyone else out there. Um, I once had a conversation with a with a friend locally, and he wanted to start writing a blog. And his his argument to me was that he said, "Look at John Gruber's blog, and look at how much money John Gruber gets for his ads. I'm going to do that." And my thought at the time, and still is, like, you're not going to copy. You're not going to out John Gruber, John Gruber, right? You're not just going to copy what he's doing and find the same success. You need to do something a little differently because, for one thing, his he's already covered that space, and for another thing 
he's quite good at what he does. It, it, <laughs> you're not just going to fall off a log and figure out how to do it as well as he does it. But isn't isn't um, the point with that as well that John Gruber won't have always been making that amount of income from that blog? You know, yeah. like he will have put the effort in first and built the audience, and then either he or somebody will have approached him and said, "You can monetize that audience whilst not devaluing the work that you're doing." And you know, any audience I'm sure would appreciate that. You know, things cost money. We have ads on the site. It doesn't seem to put anybody off. But you, you can't. You don't go in with the ads and build the audience. It's the other way around. Uh, and and you can't be afraid of putting in that effort up front because you're gonna try and you, you want to build something that's got longevity and that is sustainable, and you know you can only do that by putting in a ton of hard work. Yeah, and I mean, you and I, as long as we've done the podcast, it has changed quite a bit, and I feel like the what we provide today is much more targeted and much better than what we started with. Um, we've changed the format every year based on feedback and based on ideas. And I th we've settled on this format where we do two 20-minute technical segments usually. We've gotten a lot of good feedback on that, but we, we wouldn't have known to do that. When we started, we just kind of were doing what everyone else was doing, which was we were talking about the news and we were kind of sharing our opinions on the news. And we would have guests on and we'd talk to guests, but we just kind of talk about whatever. Uh, we didn't necessarily try and focus it on a particular a topic necessarily. Um, and so each each year we've been doing this like two years now and each each episode we've kind of tried to improve our offering. And I think what we have I think we have improved, but ha improving has also made us more distinct. Right. We're not my favorite podcast is probably ATP. We're not ATP. Right. We're not uh, core intuition. We are kind of our own thing. We're providing we focus on trying to teach a little bit. Uh, more so than these other, and we don't necessarily like talk about the news or share our opinions as, as often. I mean, I think that's good because not everybody wants to hear like just us talking about what we think about, you know, the FBI and Apple. It, we're just saying the same things everyone else is saying. We don't necessarily have a particular insight into that. And so we're just kind of regurgitating what we're hearing everywhere else. And it's, we're just a sounding board. But, but when we get a guest on and we focus on a specific topic with that guest, we can provide very specific value in that way. Um, and we, we try and do two segments instead of one. Like we've, we've, we've arrived at this place through refinement. But I think that goes back to your first point about understanding the message you are, you know, the message that you're trying to give and then refining that message. And that's basically what we've done over the, the, the existence of this podcast. Because, you know, at the beginning, like if you look back now, although it wasn't intended to be that way when we started out, it was very loose and a bit gung-ho and all that kind of, you know, all that, you've just covered all that. But now it's very focused and we're very particular and we've got a very um, defined, well-defined format and people expect that. And because we've done this and because we've gradually seen our number of downloads rise and, you know, We've just talked about sponsorships and this is the first season where every single episode has been sponsored, which is great and we're really grateful for. But, you know, we're not just taking that money and putting it in our pocket. If you remember right back to the beginning of the last season, we invested basically, you know, the sponsored money from the, that season. We reinvested that week. Jake and I got a load of new gear. You know, we're looking at um, using new services that is hosting costs that need to go on that host the files that download because a lot of people don't quite understand or maybe don't understand that like Apple don't host the podcast in the same way that they do for apps. 
you know, we have to we have to host that. Um, iTunes is just like an indexing service to allow people to discover uh, podcasts, and you can obviously download it into iTunes, but they don't do any of the hosting, so there's all that to cost to cover. So you know, it's not just something that you're looking to make a quick book from. It's like I said before, you you want to build something that's got longevity, that's sustainable, and and then we try as much as we can to reinvest. You know what we get, what we get via sponsorship back into the podcast to keep improving it and to keep um, increasing that longevity. And I think that's a really important anything that you start that you're going to want to do yourself. I think that's a really important thing to understand. I, I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about like the the kind of financial rewards, well, non financial too, but some of the financial rewards that we've experienced. And I know um, for me the there there are some financial rewards but i still have to i'm i'm a contractor full time and so the 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 podcasting and the book writing that i've done is not enough for me to do make a living full time and so for me it's important that my primary motivation not be just the financial reward because if it was i would have i would have just kind of fizzed out a long time ago i i would not have had the sustainability to kind of get get to this point and I wouldn't have been able to like I wouldn't have stuck with the podcast as long if I was just trying to make money off of it or or writing the books now that being said I know for you Marin you've written a lot more than me in terms of the financial reward for you what does that look like well currently I think in in 2015 so last year um, my primary income was from uh, selling books with Ray uh, and I'm on order on the number of books that are actually uh, that were actually on sale last year. So it's a combined income from I think five titles. But uh, it's very important to note to to mention that um, this is the current place where I'm at. But this it has been a very long way. As I said, I started started writing about uh, tech and about iOS development um, late 2009, or or it was maybe the first month of 2010 and I've been doing this for a long long time now this this has been more than five years and um, most of this time I, I did it for free and what I think is the most important thing of producing content that faces the community is that you get tons of feedback so you get tons and tons and tons of feedback by you know paying attention to the feedback by incorporating the feedback into your uh, work, you become better yourself. So at a certain point, I felt confident enough to start writing books. And the first book, you know, sold, sold well, but it couldn't really feed me. And so the second book was better, and the third book was best. Uh, I'm sorry, better. <laughs> the best is my last book, of course. Every, every last book is the best book. You incorporate all the feedback that you get from, from all the community. And I think this is the most amazing thing for me in this process. So one of the one of the things Ray brought up that that we kind of talked a little bit about was um, so I wrote a platformer starter kit early on, um, and I was hoping that the platformer starter kit was going to be kind of a big enough financial success that it was going to kind of lead me into just being able to just do tutorials full time, um, and it it didn't. It, it was good, and I'm glad that I did it. Um, and financially, it definitely paid paid off, but. It wasn't a big enough success that I could just be like, okay, this is cl- I'm close enough now that I can just do this full time. Um, and one of the things that that Ray and I kind of realized as we were talking is that there's a d- big difference between, say, Matthias's iOS Apprentice series or Marin your your anim- iOS animations book and a platformer starter kit. If you're if you want to write a book on something, 
uh, it makes sense to think about the size of the audience. Obviously, a platformer game written for Cocos 2D is not the same audience as I iOS beginner or animations. Pretty much any professional developer can benefit from learning more about animations. This is not true of Cocos 2D and a platformer starter kit, right? And so if you're thinking about trying to, uh, if you are concerned about the financial reward and you are trying to build yourself a business, you really do need to learn how to figure out who your audience is and how big that audience is. I know that there are people that have written books, really good books, that they, it's nowhere near the kind of money they would need to even necessarily compensate them for the time they put in. Now, that's not the only reward, but um, I, I, it's important when you're, if you're thinking about wanting to get into this that you think about these questions ahead of time, like how big is the audience and how much money could I possibly make you know, doing this. So the beginner audience is much, much larger than the intermediate or the advanced iOS developer audience. So if you're thinking about targeting somebody and you want to get as big as audience possible, you need to think about the beginner. But one thing I do want to reiterate because, you know, it's, it's, you've just mentioned something and it's exactly the same whichever way you look at it, is that, you know, you can't get into this and expect to make an immediate return. You can't decide one day, okay, so from now on I'm going to be a book author, a technical book author, and I'm just going to quit my day job and, you know, I'll generate enough income from writing books to be able to live on. You know, as Marion said there, he's done, he's done five books. The culmination of that allowed him last year to be pretty much self-sustainable on the income from those books, but not from the first one or the second one or the third one. With each one, there were, you know, there was an increment in the amount that he was he was earning from that, and that's because he was taking on board all the feedback that he got from his previous experiences and applying it to the next book, and was improving that content, and therefore was widening the audience because the appeal was better because people knew what they were getting to the point where he was able to publish his own book, and then you know generate a lot of income from that. And I think you know when we talk about indies. Like we tend to, because of our arena, just assume that we mean an indie developer. But any sort of domain or discipline, you can you can be an independent. You can be an independent author, and it, and and also it's not just that. Like if you, if you look at, um, you know, you, if you, if you're looking at the income, then that's the way to do it. You know, build it up steadily and gradually while refining your craft. But also, Jake, I know you personally have benefited financially from um, the work you've done with Ray, where perhaps. You know the the financial reward wasn't as much as it would be if you were doing if you were putting in that same amount of effort on a contract. However, because you've got your name out there, because you've got your content out there, because it's high quality content, that's actually led to more contract work for you. I know the stuff you did with GPU Image has led to a lot of uh, contract work based around that technology because people can see um, you know what you're talking about and therefore you know want to bring you in and, and let you work on whatever it is that they want you to work on. Yeah, that's that's a great point, and I I wanted to make sure we made it bef before we close, just because it, don't don't hear that it's like how much work it's going to take to get to say where Marin is, and be like ah oh, that's that's too much because all along the way there are kind of like other milestones and other benefits, and as you say, Mick, I would say half of my contract work um, has come either because of blog posts I've written or because of being a member of the Ray Wenderlich team, and even. Even other things like I'll go into a, an interview, just the fact that on my resume I've I've participated in iOS by the iOS by tutorial books, that's an immediate level of authority where I don't have to prove to them that I know what I'm doing. 
there are other benefits, financial benefits that aren't just like cash. And a lot of people that's not, they just want to write a book and they don't want to make it their full-time job. They just want to do it. But if that is your objective, you can definitely get there as Marin has, but you, it is going to take some time. But all along the way, you know, there are benefits. For me, I didn't even hope to make any money. I just wanted to be around other developers and people that I admired and respected. And that is, that has definitely happened. So, I mean, I've got friends now all over the world that are, you know, that love to geek out about the same stuff I love to geek out about. Um, and that's because of the participation that I've done and because of the content I've written and because of the, the volunteer work that I've done uh, in this community. And so, you know, the, the, the benefits are, are myriad, but you do need to understand, like, you, you do need to understand what you can expect uh, on the front end as you start to do this kind of thing. I just want to quickly mention that I, uh, I really want to underline this, what, what uh, Jake is saying, that when you're, when you're producing content that, that is out there in the open, you are so more self-conscious because you know exactly who you are because everything you're doing is visible for everyone else. And therefore, you're, you're much more confident and you, and you much better understand your own level in comparison to other people and so forth. So first you get instant feedback which allows you to improve because people would not criticize it but actually come and help you if there's anything wrong with your code. And second, uh, well you don't need a resume anymore. <laughs> actually I was interviewing for, for a job just a couple of months ago and I didn't even send a CV. The, everyone knew what I'm doing because it's all out there. So, you know it's a, it's, a, it's a very nice feeling that you're that you don't have anything to hide and you can just talk straight to everyone. Okay, so guys, I'm afraid uh, we're out of time. So that's a good place to wrap, wrap things up for this episode. Uh, thanks again for joining us, Marion. Thank you so much for inviting me again. If you have any feedback or comments on the podcast, then please do get in contact via podcast at raywendlick.com. And don't forget to leave your reviews on iTunes because they do help. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you all next time. And that's a wrap. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to the RayWendelk.com podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to leave a rating on iTunes. See you next time.